The first tattoo I ever got after marrying my bride was a small banner on the underside of my left wrist that reads, as for me and my house. Even at 21 years of age, an infant both in adulthood and spiritually, I still knew that this was the verse that I would build my house upon. This is from a very poignant passage in scripture where Joshua tells the people of Israel that they must serve God or serve the gods of the surrounding nations. Everyone worships something. Everyone serves a god. Joshua declares here which god he and his house will serve and gives warning as to the consequences of serving other gods. Joshua 24, 14-15 Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's do this. I must stress that this is not intended to be in response to any particular point of view or differing belief. It is not an argument, nor is it a defense or an offense. This is not a statement on mask mandates, vaccines, social distancing, or on the efficacy or virtue of common sense or even the current political culture or climate, though all of that might come into scope at some point or another. It is simply my attempt to put down on paper the convictions that have led me to lead my family in the choices that we have made concerning the COVID-19 pandemic. My wife's 90-year-old grandmother, who just by simply being 90, is considered extremely high risk. Although if I'm being honest, she's twice as healthy as I've ever been and would probably handle it a lot better than I would. My own grandparents are in an assisted living home where COVID-19 seems to thrive. I would do anything that I could to A, make them feel more at ease and comfortable, and B, keep them safe. Toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and Clorox wipes are slowly and quietly disappearing from the shelves and masks are becoming a fashion, and to an even more concerning degree, a statement. We are being reminded daily by those we voted into office that we are to be afraid and that we are to be obedient. Yet those same fear-mongering, rules-happy politicians, politicians, that demand we cower in our homes, isolated and alone, are being caught on camera every day doing the exact things that they warn us and threaten us not to do. These same politicians that are leading us are threatening jail time for the suburban stay-at-home mom if she were to take a walk on the sidewalk or, heaven forbid, have the girls over for an afternoon drink, but at the same time, bailing violent rioters out of jail. The numbers have fluctuated over the last year. A capricious roller coaster, banging and bouncing us around and around, sending us through loop after loop and teasing us multiple times, slowing to a near crawl at the exit, only to ramp back up to full speed, worrying us back around again for another go. And they will continue to do so for quite some time. We have been told to just hold on a little longer, that there is a vaccine coming, that help is on the way, that we will soon be rescued. But rescued from what? True, right now, we are much like that shipwrecked and stranded survivor, alone, frightened, 
and desperately scanning the skies. But aren't we shipwrecked and stranded of our own doing? Is not this rescue that we are so anxiously anticipating from a safe six foot distance and in our living rooms just a fabrication of our own fear and lack of discernment? Is it not our own cowardice and blind submission to the regime that we, the people, put into place to execute our directive that has so exiled us behind fiberglass shields and paper masks? COVID-19 has a 98% survival rate. This is fact. It cannot be disputed. Even his infallible holiness, Dr. Fauci, and Supreme Episcopal Polity, the CDC, have signed off on this. It is fact. It is law. It is indisputable. So let it be written. So let it be done. And that is without taking into consideration that the 2% fatality rate is off by as much as four times per the fact that every single death that involved a COVID-19 patient was documented as a COVID-19 death. Let's move on. At one point, the total fatality rate was hovering around three to 5%. There were multiple variables at play here, and it is estimated that those numbers were, and still are, because they have not been corrected, off by a multiple of four. Right now, as I type this, the mortality rate has plummeted to almost 0.2%, but not quite. The front pages of the mainstream media would tell you that they don't quite have an explanation for this yet, but hypothesize that it has to do with the great work that our totalitarianistic leaders are doing keeping us indoors and out of bars and restaurants and gyms and ensuring that we wear our masks. Now that might be able to explain a drop in cases, but not in deaths. We, the entire world, but I am mainly referring to the United States, have been in one form or another of lockdown or quarantine since March of 2000. Masks have been suggested at first and then demanded since April. I now see people wearing their masks in their cars by themselves, people out on walking trails by themselves wearing masks. Why? Not a person within 50 feet of them. And these aren't isolated or random occurrences. This is all the time. Now, I'm not judging these individuals. I don't hate them or ridicule them for their beliefs or fears. I just have to wonder what is at play here to cause that kind of fear, that kind of blind obedience. Masks will not save you. You know what will save you? The natural disease-fighting miracle that is your own body. We are developing immunity as God intended. Do you think that this virus caught God off guard? Our bodies are self-healing, self-sustaining miracles made by the Almighty God. Do they need help sometimes? Heck yes, they do. That is why we have modern medicine and doctors and nurses and all of those who we are so grateful for in the medical field. I have a screenshot here from CDC.gov. I found something very interesting here. We are given total number of cases in box one. We are given total number of cases in the last seven days in box two and we are given total number of deaths. Where are the total number of deaths in the last seven days? Where's that box? They don't make that easy to find because it's not scary enough. I know that numbers are not the way to win an argument. When something of this magnitude has gripped a people and a steady stream of doomsday falsities have been melded into our brains and hearts, numbers don't mean anything. So good thing this is not an argument, right? I will not tarry here any longer than necessary, but let's at least have a look at what the CDC actually says. 
This can all be found on the CDC website, not the front page, mind you. That page is reserved for agenda and narrative, but it can be found beyond that if one were to take the time and initiative to find it. CFR is case fatality rate. It is the number of confirmed cases to the number of confirmed deaths. Influenza CFR for non-comorbidity cases is 0.45%. COVID-19's CFR for non-comorbidity cases is 0.9%, so that's less than a percent. The Spanish flu CFR for non-comorbidity cases was 2%. SARS CFR for non-comorbidity cases is 9.7%. The odds of dying from heart disease if you have heart disease is one in six. The odds of dying in a car crash if you're in one is one in 103. The odds of dying from gun assault if you are in one is one in 298. The odds of dying from COVID-19 if you get it is one in 2,322. The odds of dying by choking on food if you choke on your food is one in 2,618. Shoot, I remember when we were convinced that our babies would be born with weird shaped heads when Zika was all the rage. Does that mean we stop having babies? No, of course not. The odds of contracting Zika is less than 1% to non-existent, but we were still afraid of it. I remember when we were all going to be plunged into a world of darkness with Y2K. Never happened. So what do we do when faced with these kinds of odds? We go on living. We practice caution and discernment, and we go on living. Nearly 1.25 million people are killed in car crashes every year. I'll repeat that. Nearly 1.25 million people are killed in car crashes every year. On average, that's 3,287 deaths a day. An additional 20 to 50 million are injured or disabled. I will source this in the show notes. Even with these terrible mortality rates on the roadways, we do not shut down these avenues of transportation and commerce to eliminate that unbelievable threat of death. To do so would cripple economies, prevent persons from accessing necessary goods and services, and stagnate communities by restricting the social streams flowing so critically between them. I don't mean to trivialize the dangers or impact of COVID-19. Yes, it is here. Yes, it is real. Yes, it can kill. But so can driving a car. You could kill someone today driving your car. And guess what? Someone could kill you. With the odds of dying from COVID nearly the same as dying from choking on food, do you think I'm going to give up eating? Have you seen me? As a matter of fact, we are more likely to die from heart disease, cancer, chronic lower respiratory disease, suicide, opioid overdose, motor vehicle crash, falling, gun assault, motorcycle accident, drowning, and smoke or fire than we are from COVID-19. So yes, we go on living. We continue to enjoy this life that God has given us, not cowering in fear, hiding our faces from each other. We continue loving and supporting one another, not drawing moral lines and shifting sands over constantly changing policies. We use the gifts of discernment and wisdom that God has given us to carry on in such a way as to not frivolously run headlong into danger, 
fists raised in stubborn defiance with no regard for the safety and well-being of ourselves and others, but to seek out truth, scientific, from data gathering, reports and evidence, and spiritual, through prayer, seeking the guidance of those more spiritually mature and the Word of God, which is the ultimate truth not ignorantly and blindly obeying the mandates, rules, and whims of those that we know for a fact have evil and ulterior intentions. We raise our children in faith, confident in who they are in Christ Jesus, not in fear and sightless subjugation. We develop and nurture our own convictions, ensuring that they are aligned with Scripture. We don't allow outside and secular sources to influence our convictions and make us question those that we love and that we know love us. The science that these politicians are using to back and bolster their claims is not true science. It can't be, because it is that very same science that flies in direct opposition to God and His Word. This is the same science that tells us that the Earth is millions and millions of years old and that we came from apes five to eight million years ago. The science behind evolution is flawed, and so is the science behind the scare of COVID-19. The same people that are pushing this COVID-19 narrative are the exact same people behind Antifa, BLM, the abolishment of the police, the removal of capitalism and the establishment of socialism, abortion, the elimination of the nuclear family, and removing parental control or involvement from schools. They are anti-Christian and anti-American, and they don't even hide it anymore. You can't tell me that wearing a mask the 10 feet from the hostess's desk to my table will undo anything that my sitting at that table for an hour, unmasked, chewing and talking over loud music and other conversations has done. You can't tell me that the thin plastic shield that is between my fingers and the number pad of the credit card machine is stopping this virus. My fingers are touching the same plastic shield that hundreds of other people have just touched. I've witnessed this, and I'm sure if you're being honest, you have too. I even asked one of the clerks at a gas station that I frequent how often they clean or replace them. He said that they do not sanitize them. They are only required to replace them at shift change. Per the CDC, although again, you'll have to dig because they aren't going to put this on the front page, masks. Even the holy grail of masks, the N95, are not a guarantee. You can go do your own research into the size and microns and different patterns of particles, etc. But COVID travels in smaller droplets and particles formed when small droplets dry very quickly in the airstream that can remain suspended for many minutes to hours and travel from the source on air currents. These droplets and particles can and do get past even the N95. The Doctors of America have stated publicly that a mask is as efficient at keeping out the COVID-19 virus as a chain leak fence is at keeping out mosquitoes. Again, per the CDC, and I will cite this in the show notes, and I quote, in pooled analysis, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. People, let me read that again. And this is from the CDC website, https colon backslash backslash www.nc.cdc.gov backslash eid backslash article backslash 26 backslash 5 backslash 19 dash 
0994 underscore article. A quote, in pooled analysis, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. This is from the CDC website. Yes, COVID and influenza are different. I'm not saying I know how, I don't. But I'm pointing out to you the things that I have gleaned from in order to make my own decisions and form my own opinions here. Is there a virus? Yes. Is COVID-19 real? Yes. Should we take all necessary precautions to protect those around us? Yes. Emphatically, a million times, yes. Is washing our hands, being conscious of our and others' personal space, and covering our nose and mouths when we sneeze effective in the fight against COVID? Yes. Is it also effective against influenza and the common cold? Yes. Could wearing masks impact the transmission of COVID-19? Yes. But guess what? This is all common sense. What is not common sense is the threat of jail time for walking or riding a bike after 10 p.m. What is not common sense is threatening jail time for having more than 10 people gathered in a private residence. Are you serious? What is not common sense is believing the lie that if we follow these mandates, we will be safe. It is good practice, but it is not a guarantee. And it is not something that the government can force us to do. There is something more at play here. We must see that. Are we to stop living because of it? Are we to cower in our bubbles, taking in a steady stream of lies and fear-mongering and conditioning while praying for a vaccine? Are we to surrender to dehumanizing ourselves over something that, for most, is no more deadly than a common cold? And is it not dehumanizing? Crazy side note here. I wanted to do some research on the psychology of wearing masks. Uh, you know, what it does to our brains. So I typed in psychology of face masks into Google. I was lambasted with propaganda telling me that only crazy people refuse to wear masks, that masks were saving the world, that we should look to China and see how masks are just a way of life there. I'm paraphrasing this, of course, but that was the gist. Um, do we know what else is a way of life in China? Come on. So I noticed that for pages and pages, all of the articles were from 2020 and 2021. Interesting. So I changed my query to a random pre-COVID year. I picked 2015. And lo and behold, I was now finding articles on why even doctors and surgeons wearing masks was more of a psychological thing than a practical life-saving practice. Articles on how slaves were made to wear masks in order to dehumanize them. I mean, why do you think masks are so prevalent in other countries? I'll leave that question suspended right here. If you're still listening, I think you're smart enough to figure that out. My wife has tears in her eyes almost every single night because she misses her family. She misses her family, the connection, seeing their faces, touching them, hugging them, kissing them, laughing with them and seeing their smiles preparing meals with them, sitting at the table and passing the salt with them? Do we blindly obey those who overstretch their reach and blatantly pervert what we know is right? The answer is no. The people that are controlling the media and the information and the mandates do not care about human life, nor do they believe in the sanctity of it. In Japan, more people died by suicide last month than from COVID-19 in all of 2020 worldwide. 
please let that sink in. I'll reread it. In Japan, more people died by suicide last month than from COVID-19 in all of 2020 worldwide. I'll reread it twice. In Japan, more people died by suicide last month than from COVID-19 in all of 2020 worldwide. I am crushed by this. How can lockdowns and the dehumanization that comes from it and masks and removal from society and the loss of income or jobs or businesses or livelihoods be for our greater good when it leads to such widespread desperation on such a large scale that more people in one country would end their lives than COVID has killed altogether. If you take the number of suicides and overdoses, then we would have a real pandemic on our hands. If you take the number of domestic assaults and abuse that have been multiplied 100-fold in a society that is so ravaged by fear and desperation and sin, then we would have a pandemic on our hands. And this is every society, every people. This pandemic is real, but it is not about us. It's about fear, control, and money. Big tech and major corporations are thriving as small businesses all over the world have been closed down in the name of keeping us safe. Let that sink in. Again, I ask, safe from what? Safe from a virus that has a 98%, but really more like a 99.75% survival rate? Now, what about the other 2%? What about the ones that are at risk? We take care of them. We bring them their groceries so they don't have to get out. We sit outside on the porch and converse with them and love them. We play hearts through the window. We wear masks around those who would ask us to. And for the rest, we go on living. This is what it is to be human. This is nothing radical. My grandparents, the ones in the assisted living home, they say to heck with the masks and the isolation. They would not be robbed of living, of seizing every opportunity to see their children and their grandchildren to laugh and to love, to be human. I want to touch on authority and science here for a minute. I find it funny that so many truly believe that the experts and field and industry leaders that dominate the mainstream media are the only experts out there that matter. That absolutely blows my mind. People, there are just as many highly intelligent expert industry leaders and specialists that call BS on this stuff as there are that tout it as unequivocal truth. Hello. So this is where I have a problem. We are being given one truth, a doomsday scenario, worst case, end of the world, catastrophic truth that we must believe and therefore must abide by the accompanying rules that this truth brings. And all of this is backed up by irrefutable science. There is my problem. Their science is a lie. I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that tell me the unborn child in my wife's womb is not a living being. Their science says that. I have heard its heartbeat. I have seen its heart flutter in the little black and yellow screen at the doctor's office. I have seen it move and grow. It is alive and it is a miracle. I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that support an agenda that tells me all white people, all, as in 100%, 
are inherently evil and beyond redemption. Again, this is fact, look it up. It's called CRT and it is the new truth. I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that use the same science that tells us that we are in danger that they used to tell us that there are myriad genders in the spectrum and not just male and female. The same people, the same science that tells us that God is wrong is the science that these people, these leaders are using to manipulate and control us. Let that sink in. I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that are running a smear campaign against police officers all across the country telling us that all policemen and policewomen are bad people and that we should do away with them. Side note, if you want to see how that's going, check out the crime statistics on the cities that have played into this. I will not blindly follow rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that tell me that capital Black Lives Matter, the organization, the agenda, not people of color, is right and that all lives matter, the sentiment, is wrong. I won't be made out as a villain for loving my fellow man. No matter what lies you hear, we are all one race. I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that tell me hundreds of people destroying property, violently protesting, assaulting, and killing, yes, killing, are okay, and even to be lauded, but gathering to worship our God and King is selfish, dangerous, and illegal? Come on! I will not blindly follow the rules and regulations dictated to me under the guise of safety and freedom from the same people that tell me I am a bigot and a racist and a danger and filled with hate because I don't put up a black fist on my social media but instead an American flag. Do I deserve to be canceled for this? Does anything that I have said make me guilty of hate or bigotry? Do I automatically get tried and judged by faceless social media and spineless mainstream media? Sentenced to be carried out post haste? And for what? This is not a call to arms or a rally cry. Believe me, I haven't the ambition, energy, or influence for that. This is not a political or patriotic stance. This is about what is right. This is about what it is to be alive, to be human. Please know that I do not take this time this pandemic lightly, but I choose for me and for my family to trust in God and not man, to live my life, to spend time with those I love. And if the Lord chooses to take me by a bad chicken bone that goes down the wrong pipe, a car wreck, a bullet, COVID, or old age, I place my trust in him. I will rely on the wisdom and discernment that he has given me and on the common sense that can be wrought from it. I will put my faith in the science and medicine and physicians that God has in his infinite wisdom provided to us, but will not allow that faith to eclipse my conscience or convictions. I will not put my faith in man, nor will I be cowed by the lies and deceit that come from him. Truth cannot come from evil. If you doubt anything that I've said to this point, Please use your God-given wisdom and discernment to go see for yourself. Educate yourself in these things. Please do not blindly follow the words of man. Instead, through prayer and research and with common sense, 
decide for yourself what is truth, what is fear, and what you believe. Up next is my conversation with Stefan Albin, who is the elder pastor at Strasburg Baptist Church and holds a master's in theological studies. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Number six, 24 through 26. Remember, I am very active on Instagram, so if you haven't already, please go follow me over there. I also just started a Twitter and a TikTok account, but I'm not very active over there just yet. I hope to be. So go follow along there if you use those platforms. But I am very active on Instagram. Every day, answering questions, answering DMs, I'm always on it. So you can go follow me over there if you want to keep up with everything I'm doing. Or to get a hold of me, that's the place to do it. All these links can be found in my Linktree link in the show notes here or in the bio of my Instagram page. Also, shout out to the guys at Middle-Aged and Creeped Out. They are some of the kindest, coolest dudes, and they are putting out some really great content. Go check them out. I'll leave their information in the show notes so you can find them. And shout out to Spencer at nalubuff.com. He is an incredible artist and an even more incredible person. His passion for his family, his friends, and his church is eclipsed only by his passion for God. Go check his art out at nalubuff.com. You will not be disappointed. I'll leave the link in the show notes. I am so very excited and honored to introduce my guest for this episode. I dearly hope that his words are well received and that this episode really takes off because this is the direction that I'm hoping to take the podcast. So really, I guess I hope it either takes off really well and I can continue with the momentum that I have gained over the last eight or nine months or that it crashes and burns and I lose all my listeners because that way I'll know that A, I must have spoken the truth because only the truth could elicit such a negative response and B, that it is a sign for me to start from scratch and pursue this direction anyways. Before we get into it, I do want to clarify something. In my introduction to the new direction the podcast is taking last week, I referred to myself as an empath, as being a very empathetic person, and I have always thought that I was. I am very in touch with another's emotions, and I really try to see things from their point of view. I try to see them and what brought them to a certain place. I try to understand their hurt and their pain, and I am a very emotional person, so I can relate to pain, to sorrow, and joy, and all those things very easily. I'm not a hard or stoic person. I have always called that empathy, and I am very proud of it and grateful that God gave me that gift, that I am emotional and in tune with what others might be feeling. But guess what? Words matter. Who knew? And apparently the term empathy has some very negative connotations that I was not aware of. There is a big difference between empathy and sympathy, and I will not get into that right now, but I do not acquiesce to demands for empathy. I don't abandon God for the sake of the victim. I don't turn the victim into God. I don't make decisions based on emotion or without the whole truth. I don't bypass discernment for emotion. I don't automatically grant victimhood. I don't become one with the victim and their pain. I don't lie to my wife or cower before her. I don't apologize unless I'm wrong, just to appease someone. I do, however, cry at Hallmark commercials. So I just wanted to clear that up. Empathy versus sympathy. There is a difference. Maybe in another episode, I can get into that. I just wanted to touch on that briefly. 
I've only known Stefan for a short time, but in that time, I've come to respect him for his intelligence that he displays in his knowledge and understanding of the Bible and biblical and church history, his leadership that he displays as head of Strasburg Baptist Church and his family, and his dedication to preaching biblical truth found in the inerrant Word of God. I sent Stefan a copy of my notes so that he'd be able to read them ahead of time and wouldn't have to sit here in silence for however long it would have taken to get me through it with someone watching me. So I recorded that earlier this week, and now I sit in the office of Pastor Stefan Albin of Strasburg Baptist Church in a large leather chair, sipping on some tea, and directly across from me, with matching chair and mug, is Stefan. Stefan, thank you so much for being here with me and agreeing to be on the show. I have been so excited for this all week. Now, would you just briefly introduce yourself and tell us how you got here, uh, specifically uh, SBC? Yeah, Micah, thanks for having me. So I've been here at Strasburg Baptist Church for about uh, three years. I've been a senior pastor here for the last year, a little bit more than a year. I actually started right when COVID hit. That's, that's fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, Here's your uh, first test. You know? I know, right? It was yeah. something uh, big to undertake, but we've been working our way through it, you know, using the scriptures to, to instruct us on how to how to lead the people through this this whole ordeal mm. and uh, you know it's been it's been trying at times but uh, I think we've I think we've sought God through it all and it's been productive yeah yeah, yeah good deal it really has you had a chance to read through my letter so you have a bit of an idea why we're here I definitely don't want this episode to be looked at as or taken as combative or militant or anti-government or anything else it's really not it's simply a cursory look into my thoughts on the pandemic how it was handled, and how I chose to come to my own conclusions and decisions about it, and what was is best for my family. Now, was there anything that you wanted to touch on or highlight as far as my opening letter before we get started? You know, Mike, I think you did a really good job just hitting the issue, just asking people to think practically about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's important for Christians especially to think biblically through these things, not just to to give ourselves over to whatever, right. or who's on TV or who's on wherever right. to, to tell us what to do. We have an obligation to God first and foremost. And so as Christians, we do need to look to the scriptures. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Now I wanted to ask you, and maybe you already have something to say on this in your own notes, but if not, maybe we can get into it a little bit here or some point in the, uh, in the show, if not now. I see it a lot right now, especially as some have come to accept certain things as the new normal or just part of life now. People yeah. taking pride in wearing masks and getting vaccinated, almost to the point where it is a statement. But right. maybe even more than that, I see a lot of judgment. And honestly, we see it from both sides, right? It's not right. specifically one side or another. That's true. Yeah, uh, like, like there's some line that has been drawn in the sand. People are ready to go to war over it. And by war, I usually mean talking loudly over the other person and basically just repeating the same thing over and over again that they've heard on TV until one or the other gets tired and walks away, right? Right, right. It is such a divisive thing, this mask, this vaccine, the fervor mm. with which one will defend or attack another in this regard seems almost religious to me or cultish. Yeah. If, I, if I actually articulated a question there, let me sum it up. Why do you think there is such a stigma and opposition from one side and such a fervent defense from the other when it comes to masks and vaccines. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that there are, or there is a group of people out there who have basically put their trust in the mask or mm. in the vaccine, right? They, right. they have this fear 
that has been perpetrated by the officials who are, as we said, on TV sure. or wherever, and they are soothing their fear with a external symbol of mm. compliance. I mean, they're wearing the mask because people have told them to wear masks, right. and that's what will save their lives. And so if people don't have a core set of values and beliefs, a standard by which they're basing their life on, then they're basically floating in the wind. Uh, yeah. They're prone to follow whatever newscast or whatever mm. talking head says the next big thing, you know? Yeah. So it's it's really concerning. That's a potential in our right. nation at this time, in our culture, that it's so easy for people to be drawn mm -hmm. away, right? Mm -hmm. To believe almost absolutely right. in what these people are. I think, yeah, in. that's absolutely. That's kind of what I'm seeing. And yep. the thing that's bothering me is the, yep. okay, thank you. That, that You actually hit a couple points there mm -hmm. that I hadn't thought of before, so I appreciate mm -hmm. that. So with both of us being husbands and fathers, I know that we have witnessed a lot of the things that have taken place over the last year and a half or so through the same lens, hopefully always through a biblical lens. But you have the unique perspective of also looking through the lens of a church leader, a pastor. Do you have any insights, any uh, any words of wisdom, anything that you'd like to share to the listeners as far as as far as what you've seen or what you believe? So yeah, definitely, I've got a different perspective on this coming from a church leader because you see so many people wondering where is the role of the church in all of this? Mm -hmm. Where what rights? How does the church relate to the government? How does the church relate to? what's going on in our homes. Uh, yeah. Those are big issues, especially in this pandemic. What we first need to understand is the kingdom of Christ is not of this world, right? Mm -hmm. It's not of this world. We are not to uh, pick up swords and, and go and put the church as the state. The church cannot replace the state. Mm -hmm. That's not what our goal is. But after saying that, I, I do want to say there is a role of authority for the church in this current situation and of all time, right? This is how the church has right. been established by God to operate. They need to be prophetically speaking into the culture. And not, I don't mean prophetically as in we're receiving a new revelation mm -hmm. from God, right? Mm -hmm. God's not speaking to us. I mean, he's speaking to us in his word. Mm -hmm. And we are to be warning people in the culture as the prophets did, right? They received a word from the Lord and they warned people. We have the word of God in our hands, the Bible, and we should be reading it and warning the culture mm -hmm. of where it's going wrong, sure. of where it can go right if it obeys God. So in light of that, I have two considerations really for, for Christians out there who are thinking through this issue. And this is specific to Christians in America really because in our constitutional republic, the people bear more freedom more responsibility than perhaps in other countries. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, that's really the first consideration, right, is as the people in a nation governed by the people and for the people, are we upholding our end of the deal right? and not giving it over mm -hmm. to someone else? A key biblical principle that we need to go to time and time again is the reality that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. This is what he says. Listen to this in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not, not will be given to me, right. but has been given to Already me. Already has been. Yeah, right. exactly. And I, I don't know, if you're listening, I don't know your eschatology, but you need to make room for this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Jesus is reigning now. Mm. He's reigning with authority now over all the nations, and all the nations are obligated to him, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the rulers of the nations are lesser magistrates. That was the mantra even of the Revolutionary War. No king, but King Jesus. Wow. So there's an authority on the earth 
whatever form it takes, it has gained its position from Jesus. Right? Yeah. They are lesser magistrate to him. They've been given their authority from Jesus. Uh, c- consider the words that Jesus spoke to Pilate, right? John 19:11. He says, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Right, right. right. There's no authority on mm. earth unless it has been given from above, from yeah. God himself, right? That's where all authority comes from. So this is your understanding, right? That all authority has come down from God. Then Romans 13 makes sense to you when it says, for he is God's servant for your good. He's right speaking of the governing authorities. Mm. He, the governing authorities, are God's servants for your good. Literally, that word there means they're ministers of God, mm. right? And for the civil authorities, this is a responsibility to approve good conduct and to punish evil conduct, mm. right? If, if you're reading through Romans 13 there, right? They're supposed to approve of good conduct and punish evil conduct. But here's the kicker, right? Who defines good and who defines evil? That's just what I was thinking. Right? Right. That's right. The, the one whom they are under, right? Mm-hmm. God does. God defines good and e- evil. Mm. They are lesser magistrates. As lesser magistrates, right? They are ministers, servants even, of God. Mm. Uh, Psalm 2 puts this very poetically. Verse 1 through 3 says, Why do the nations rage? The peoples plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and mm-hmm. against his anointed. Yeah. So the governing authorities are setting themselves up against the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Mm-hmm. So what's the command? Is it, well, I've given you unlimited authority. Is God saying to these nations, the raging nations, I've given you all authority, mm-hmm. so continue to rage against me? No, that's not what he says. Verses 11 and 12. God says to the nations, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, and be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Yeah. They are commanded here in this text. They are obligated to serve God. Every nation from the United States, to China, to Syria, to Peru, mm. right? There's enough general revelation to condemn them all. Right. They are all required to look to Jesus mm. as the ultimate authority, right? Mm-hmm. They are all required to submit to Lord Jesus. And there's a responsibility, therefore. If, if they don't do this, there are consequences yeah. for that. Now, going back to my first thought, if the people in the United States, if the people are the government, if the people govern themselves, then the people are responsible for how we govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. But what we see more and more are people handing over those responsibilities to others, yeah. right? To bureaucratic individuals and agencies. Mm. And we will be held responsible for that, mm-hmm. right? For neglecting our duty as rulers. We are the rulers mm. of this nation, ultimately. So uh, that's the first consideration I would have, that we as the people should not hand over our responsibility as it's been established in this country to those who are not responsible, mm-hmm. right? We're the ones responsible. Now, the second consideration I have, come, it does come from the perspective of the church. Mm-hmm. As we said in the beginning, I, I'm coming at this from a church leader. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the church. First and foremost, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the church. But it also applies to families, and I even believe it applies to businesses as well. And mm-hmm. That's because this issue centers around the concept of sphere sovereignty. Now, let me, let me explain what that is. 
It goes back to the idea that we just referenced a moment ago, that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. The civil authority, whether the people collective or individuals, such as in kings, rulers, they don't have ultimate authority. Mm. They don't. They've been given authority over a sphere of life, over a realm. Mm. Right? The civil government is to approve good and punish evil. Mm -hmm. And to accomplish that task, they've been given the sword. That's what we read in Romans 13. But there are other realms of authority under Jesus. And each one of those has their own sphere. Mm -hmm. The church is one of those realms. Mm. Right? Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. This is speaking of church leaders. This is in the context of the church, the local church. Mm. So the same dynamic of authority seen in the civil realm is also given in the church realm, right? The leaders of the local church, the elders or the pastors, whatever you want to call them, have been given this authority by Jesus, mm -hmm. not by the civil authorities. So they are on a level plane with the civil authorities in this sense, mm -hmm. right? As a pastor, I have authority and responsibility to serve Jesus as a minister in the church realm, and I'll be held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. So if the civil government tries to speak into ecclesiastical matters, right, matters pertaining to the local church, which I'm over, then they are outside of their realm of authority. Mm -hmm. And I'm not obligated to listen because they're not the ones that are gonna be held accountable by God for this realm, for the church realm. I will be, mm -hmm. right? Elected officials, let's take President Biden for an example, he won't be serving communion or delivering the sermon mm. in the church where I pastor. I won't try to use my authority as a pastor to oversee a Supreme Court case or mm. something like that. Sure, right? right. Nor would I, and this brings us to the family realm, right? nor would I come into your home and discipline your kids. Mm. Right? That's another realm of authority that right. Jesus has delegated. Okay. So now there's a question, uh, I suppose. What if a child is old enough where they are also a church member and a citizen? Mm. Yes, they are subject to the authorities of each realm in accord with the level of authority each realm has been given. Gotcha. In the church, there is an authority. In, out in the real world, there's an authority. Right. Now, just because I'm part of the church, I can't go out in the world and say I'm not right. going to be under your authority exactly. because that's a different sphere. It is. That's, yeah. Right. You're operating as a citizen. In yeah. That right. Realm. Right. So I just want to clarify that. So you can even be an authority in one realm and in the other one submit right mm -hmm. to a, an authority in that realm. Mm -hmm. But again, in all of this, Jesus is the ultimate authority and we must submit to him first and foremost. Should a wife, for example, submit to her husband? Yes. First Peter 3, 1. Wives be subject to your own husbands. Mm -hmm. Now, should they submit to abuse? No, they shouldn't. They should obey Jesus as a greater authority. Right. The same is true if a pastor tells you to lie. Mm. Don't submit to that, submit to Jesus. Right. The same is true for the civil realm, right? If the civil authority says, close the church, don't gather regularly as you've been commanded to do, you say, no, mm. for two reasons. First and foremost, Jesus has commanded me not to neglect the gathering. Right. Second, well, the authority for determining the ins and outs of that local church gathering falls under the pastors, the elders of that local congregation. Right. Right? Different sphere. It's a different sphere. Right. Right. And now, so we have the church sphere mm -hmm. out in the real world, the family sphere, and all of those mm -hmm. are under the sphere of Christ. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So ask me how all this relates to masks. So, Stephen. <laughs> 
How does all this relate to masks? Glad you asked. <laughs> so first off, don't hand your authority as the ultimate rulers in a constitutional republic, right? as the people in a constitutional republic, don't hand your authority over to another. Right? You will be held accountable, mm. right? You'll be held accountable for what those bureaucrats decide. Mm. Just as if I neglect to raise my child and someone else does it for me, right? I'm accountable for that. Right. We can't allow unelected groups to decide, apart from the process of law, what a pandemic is, mm. what a required response to a pandemic is, mm. right? It should be the people deciding. But even in that, we need to submit to the correct authorities God has placed over us, mm -hmm. right? So Christians submit to church leaders in church matters. Mm -hmm. Children submit to parents. Wives submit to husbands in domestic matters. Mm. Employees submit to uh, employers in business-related matters. Mm. Citizens submit to governing authorities. Mm. In our case, to the Constitution and to those laws which approve good conduct and punish evil as defined by God. Mm. Your church should be obeying Jesus, and that means gathering together, mm. right? Your elders or pastors, the pastors of your local gathering, should be deciding whether they ask you to wear a mask or not. Mm. They care for you far more than some person in Washington that you don't even know. Right. We've seen how this overreach has affected churches and businesses. We've seen how it affects families, as you mentioned. Mm. People haven't been able to visit mm. older loved ones. If anything good comes from this, I pray that it is that Christians gain a better understanding of the way in which God has ordained His world for His glory. Mm -hmm. right? Masks are just the starting point, right? That, that, that's not the biggest issue here even. Mm -hmm. I hate them, but who cares if we wear a piece of fabric, germ-laden fabric over our mouths mm -hmm. to buy groceries? The biggest issue that we're confronting here is authority. Mm -hmm. Do we understand who has what authority according to God's word. Mm. Wow, okay. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us and kind of giving us a different uh, different point of view here, a biblical point of view. That was a blessing, so thank you. And I did want to give you an opportunity to let us know what you've got going on or what the church has going on, any projects that you want to let us know about, services that might be televised or broadcast, how we can tune in. Yeah, brother, thank you. Everything that we do here at Strasburg Baptist Church can be found on our website at strasburgbc.com. You can also find us on Instagram and YouTube, on the same name, Strasburg BC. Uh, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is uh, Stephan J. Albin. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-J-A-L-B-I-N. Perfect, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I look forward to what else might be in store. If I can convince you to start making this a regular thing or if we can kind of branch out and, and do a little more of this, I'd be, I'd be super pumped about it. Yeah, really, I would love that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks thank you so me. much. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you come back next week for another all-new episode of The American Synthetic. And if you feel so led, please leave us a tip. We have a virtual tip jar in our Linktree link. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, reach out through my DMs on Instagram. I will respond as soon as I can. Thank you all so much. Good night.